it's such a privilege for us to have Pete here with us. Pete Gregg. Uh, Pete is author of books and uh, a church leader and founder of the 24-7 prayer movement and husband and dad and if I miss anything else... Portsmouth fan. Okay, interesting. Let's make Pete feel really welcome. Okay. Pete. Hello, John. Hello. So 24-7 prayer, 20 years now of 24-7 prayer. For anybody here who's not aware what 24-7 prayer is, can you just tell us briefly about how it came about? Yeah and how it's grown over the years. Yeah, this time, uh, about 20 years and, I don't know, two weeks ago, uh, we, we, uh, I was leading a church down in Chichester on the south coast of England, mostly students in the church, and we were doing lots of cool stuff, but we realized we were really rubbish at prayer. And uh, we had three old ladies and a goat at our church prayer meeting, um, uh, and the goat really wasn't committed, to be honest with you. And uh, and yet we were you know, doing lots of programs, and uh, you know. And I think I sometimes thought, if God died, would we notice? <laughs> you know. And and I this spiritual hunger began to grow in in me, and um, I realised it wasn't the church's problem; it was my issue as a leader. Um, I was tired of outsourcing my prayer life to godly old ladies. I was sick and tired of hearing stories about what God was doing in other places in the world at other times in history. I was like, God, would you just do it here and now? And everything sort of led me back to this place of prayer. Um, And I used to be a bit suspicious people prayed a lot because I thought they might never do anything. Um, Because I'm quite I'm an activist, I'm a pragmatist. But... uh, more and more I realize there's only about three things God actually asked us to do, and prayer actually really is one of them. Uh, walk and talk with God, right? How do you have a relationship? If I said to you with my wife, Sammy, we don't really talk. I try to avoid her presence, and I don't listen to her much. You might question the quality of our marriage. And so it's very hard to be, have a relationship with God if you avoid his presence, don't talk to him, don't listen to him. So prayer, And so we, we started praying, and we, set a, we weren't trying to launch a movement. We just started one prayer room, night and day. We nicked an idea from the Moravians who prayed nonstop for 100 years in the 18th century, converted John Wesley and changed the destiny of the Western world and thought, if they do 100 years, we'll try a month. And if we only, ever, if we only manage a week, it'll still be more than we've ever done before. And uh, we weren't trying to get into the Guinness Book of Records. We are just trying to learn to pray, you know. And, and um, so we started the 5th of September, 1999. I really am that old. And, and then what happened was it went absolutely crazy. As we began to seek God, angels appeared, uh, miraculous healings, people getting saved one day, spending two hours in the prayer room the next. Atheists would come into the prayer room saying, you can experience the presence of God here, you can feel God here, can't deny it. And then God, uh, who was spending a lot of time in the room, uh, sneezed. And this virus began to spread, and now we've been praying nonstop for 20 years. We're in over half the nations on earth. Uh, there's a, a whole movement of different ministries and monasteries and churches all caught up in this 24-7 movement. So it's been a really wild ride, and my life got hijacked. Uh, my brother, who I just had a drink with in the pub over the road because he lives in Oxford. He's a respectable one in our family. He's a lawyer in Oxford, no less. 
And he still sort of says to me from time to time, have you got a job yet? But I, I just got hijacked by a prayer movement 20 years ago. So that's, that's 24-7. So it's, it's, it's churches, I know you've done it here, churches all around the world from, uh, you know, uh, great cathedrals uh, through to Salvation Army, cause university campuses, all sorts, praying night and day, and then trying to make a difference amongst the poor and the lost. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you want to find out a bit more, there, all of these are on your seats, and there's a section you can put in your name and e- your email and find out. Give, I must, I must remember this, John, because I got this wrong last time. If you, if you fill in the tear-out slip and just give it in at the back, at the stand there, to my friend Jake, give us a wave, Jake. He'll be over there, not over there. Uh, we, we can just, if you're saying, actually, I need help with prayer, or I'm passionate about prayer, and I want to track with this, I want teaching, I want to be encouraged, we'll just send you loads of free stuff. Just fill that in, hand it in the back. That's our job. That's what Jesus looked us in the eyes and told us to do. Help my people uh, to pray and and uh, that's, that's, what we, that's what we do. We, we've m- recently made an app to help you with your prayer life called Inner Room. It cost us £100,000 to make it, and you can have it for free. Just download it. It's called Inner Room. And it, 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 you, can, you can put, like, your prayer list and put, upload photographs, promises from Scripture, uh, different things, and it will remind you to pray for people. And uh, so, that, I mean, that's just one. That's just one thing. We just give stuff away because our only agenda is we want to help you grow in your relationship with God. He's alive. He's real. He does answer prayer. He does do miracles, and nothing matters more than learning to walk and talk with Him. That's great. So, download the app in a room. Get the people from your bless list on the app and set a reminder. Because it must be quite hard to carry that around with you, is exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Just photograph it and yeah, that's good. zoom in. Get it on there. Do anything you can to remind yourself to, be, to pray. So, so part of Celebrating 20 Years, you've released this book, uh, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Praying non-stop for 20 years. And, and we thought it's probably high time we tried to put in one book just how to pray. It's the oldest question in the world. The disciples came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? They never said teach us to preach. They never said teach us to you know, plant churches. They realized the key thing is we've got to learn how to listen to God the way Jesus does and to mobilize the kind of prayer power that he does and how to move in the kind of revelation he has. If we're going to like, be like our rabbi. And so he said teach us to pray. And of course he didn't tut and go, mm-hmm, you really should know how to pray. He gave them the Lord's Prayer, which is quite an amazing uh, response. So that's, that's what the book's about. And actually when I asked um, lovely Nicky Gumble, you know, the alpha uh, guy, uh, to write the foreword to the book. Because one, one of the things with the book is we want it, it's simple guide for normal people because so many books on prayer are so blooming complicated. And all around the world I meet people, maybe they're new Christians or maybe they've been around the block a few times and they, they say, actually, I need, I, I, I struck my, my guilty secret is my prayer life. Would you help me with it? So we just wanted an easy on-ramp. So I asked Nicky, because of the whole alpha thing, uh, you know, could you write the foreword? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And then, and then um, he said, I'm so glad you, you're, you're calling it How to Pray. Uh, and which I was pleased about because my American publishers said, don't call it that, it's, it's, uh, it's too generic. And I said, why, why are you glad I'm calling it that? He said, oh, I'm going to stop doing the accent here. He... <laughs> he he writes this daily devotional called The Bible in One Year that has two million daily users. It's the most downloaded one on you version. 
And um, every day you go through bits of the Bible. It's brilliant. You know, you have a bit of Leviticus and a psalm. And, and then there's commentary from Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. The best bit is Pippa Gumbel at the end. There's a thing called Pippa Rads. And she says these funny little things like, in Leviticus it says we shouldn't have mildew. Oh dear, I've got mildew in my house. It's just brilliant. It's just, I just absolutely adore it. Anyway, every day has a title. And he, Nicky said to me, the day entitled How to Pray is the single most downloaded day out of the 365 in the year, every single year, which is proof. This is as near as you're going to get to empirical proof. This is the question Christians are actually asking more than any other. Help me with prayer. So after 20 years, having made lots of mistakes, having started out as someone who struggled with prayer, thought, let's put it together in a simple book. And we've twinned it together with Sing the Prayer Course. And so in the book, you use the acronym PRAY. P-R-A-Y, just explain, yeah. without wanting to give away all the content no, of the no, book. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I mean, it's, I, mean uh, look, um, I don't know like, how you guys got taught to pray. Did, just give me a wave if you went to a Sunday school here. Did many people go, quite a lot of you. Okay, um, now at Sunday school, the way they always used to, I don't know if they still do teach people to pray, is with an acronym called ACTS. Did anyone do this? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and... right. Supplication. Who even uses this word anymore? And this is how we teach children to pray. Like, what are we doing? So I was sitting around going, there's got to be something better than, than adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I thought, I, I thought, I wonder if we could do something with P-R-A-Y. This is a bit easier, isn't it? And, and, and you can. And this is what it is. Pause. Be still and know that I am God. Don't just rush in to, you know, to asking God stuff. Pause. Rejoice. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, we bring our petitions before the Lord with a grateful heart. Pause. Rejoice. So just give thanks to God. Um, count your blessings. Maybe read a psalm. Listen to a worship song. Whatever it is. A, ask. That's the bit we all find easy. But Jesus said, you know, the Father loves to give, so ask. And then why is yield, which is the bit where we just surrender to God and say, you're God, I'm not. Speak to me. Tell me what to do. Anything you want me to do, I'm going to do. Romans 12, you know, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And if you're teaching this to children, swap that tricky word yield for just yes. Say yes to Jesus. And what we found is this is absolutely taking off because believe it or not, there isn't really anything else out there. And um, I, I think it's quite possible that after I'm long dead, one of the few little le- bits of legacy might be that kids are being, are not, don't know what the word supplication <laughs> means, but they know to pause, rejoice, ask, yield. And, and, and um, I had a woman say to me uh, a, few, a few months ago now, uh, she said, thank you for that P-R-A-Y thing. It's really helped. I just had my best ever prayer time with my six-year-old. And I said, tell me how that worked. She said, well, pause is quite tricky with a six-year-old. But what we did is we, we had a cuddle and we did some deep breaths. And we were just still for about three seconds, you know. And then rejoice, we just said thank you to Jesus for some stuff. And then ask, that was easy, we had stuff we wanted to ask Jesus about. And then saying yes to God, we just said, what might Jesus be telling us to do tomorrow? 
and then we prayed about it. And she said, this is really helping. So uh, Paul's Rejoice asked you, but I go into quite a bit more depth into you know, how, how, how you do that. How do you meditate and contemplate intercession, spiritual warfare, unanswered prayer? There's all sorts of different sections there, but the structure, structure is the Lord's Prayer, it goes through, and then it breaks it under Paul's Rejoice, Ask, Yield. It's brilliant. And, and so the new book it fits together with the prayer course, which has been updated quite recently, isn't it? It's been running for a while, the prayer course. But Yeah, we, we filmed the prayer course, um, I don't know, a few years ago. And we didn't realise how big it was going to get. So I filmed it uh, in a, a recreation centre in Tolworth on the A3, if, if you, any of you know that. And not particularly glamorous, in a, a, back, a back room there. And uh, we pretty much writ the, wrote the content on the back of an envelope. There were literally bits of card that I'd scribbled notes on that I was trying to read off because we didn't have anything flashy like an auto cue or anything like that. And uh, the, 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 the morning I set out to go and film this thing, uh, I read my email. It said I had to, because I think there were six episodes, I had to bring six different shirts. And I didn't own um, Six different. Well, I did, but the sixth shirt was a shirt that's so horrible. My wife has banned me from wearing it to Tesco's. And but she was out at the time, and I just thought that sucker's going to have to come. So the spiritual warfare uh, session. I'm wearing a shirt that, that my wife's banned me from wearing to Tesco's. But the thing is, the, that the old version has been used by more than a million people. So I said, look, Tesco's is fine, but a million people... So we had to refilm it so I could uh, wear the right shirts. But also, uh, we wanted to add a couple of sessions. We've added a session that's really an on-ramp for new believers. And we've, a- we've added a session uh, on contemplative prayer, which is something I'm increasingly passionate about, which I get attacked for quite a lot, especially in America, but I feel strongly about. And um, we just... When we realised that, like, literally millions of people are wanting this, we thought we'd better sort of up the production values a bit. So this time we took three days to film it and wrote it on the back of several envelopes instead and wore good shirts. So the point is, you can get the prayer course for free. It's just there for you. Prayercourse.org. You can watch it on your phone. There's, like, 10, 15, 20, up to 20-minute videos there and then there's cheat sheets and discussion stuff so i think are you doing it in in the church here john yeah should we watch the um we've got a quick trailer just gives a little insight see that good shirt there my wife approves Yeah, so we are, we are running the prayer course. Five different small groups are going to be running the prayer course on four different evenings. So there's plenty of opportunity to get involved. So that would be around at least 50 people we're hoping to go through the prayer course this term. So just tell people why they should sign up. Oh, because you'll, you'll cover the full range of prayer, um, in all, but, but in a way that I think you won't find boring. I think you'll find helpful, practical, engaging. I get emails almost every day from people all around the world saying this is really, really 
helped me. And, and because um, if you need a bit of help with your prayer life, this will do. It seems to, it has a, I guess I can say after this time, a proven track record of just raising the sea level of prayer in churches and helping people get their heads around the full menu of prayer. So when you say pray in different contexts, it's really interesting. If you go into a vineyard church, say let's pray, they all just go like that. Uh, if you go into a Pentecostal church, say let's pray, they all start shabba-dabbering really loud. You say, let's pray in a Quaker church. They move into the toilet position and go silent. And, and, um, and the truth is, prayer is all of it. And I just want everything on the menu, not just one or two dishes. I want miracles and spiritual warfare and authority, but I also want contemplative prayer, meditation. I want to learn to listen to God in Scripture and pray the Bible. So why limit yourself? So the prayer course, you, you're going to get the, the full menu, and, and uh, hopefully it will help you to get your head around and inspire you to engage in each type a little bit more. That's great. So from the last 20 years of 24-7, just give us a couple of your favourite prayer stories. Oh, my goodness. Off the top of your head. There, I mean, there, there are, I mean I, I've been in a state of amazement, really, for the last 20 years. I always say I have one of the best in, email inboxes in the world because continual answers to prayer uh, coming in. The, the mystery, actually, I mean, I've written a bit, book about unanswered prayer, but the real mystery is how much God does answer prayer, not how much he doesn't. It's incredible. Um, I mean, there are places in the world that really are experiencing full revival because the way they've pushed into to, to, to prayer, any way, which way you see it. Uh, amazing stories from Indonesia. I mean, they had the um, uh, major economic crisis um, in 1998. And um, th- th- then they had ethnic rioting. Their president was deposed. Um, and so the churches finally rose up. Bear in mind, Indonesia is the fourth largest nation on earth and the biggest Muslim nation on earth. But the churches who aren't allowed to have church buildings rose up and said, we've got to put um, the famous promise to, 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 to the test. You know, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and pray, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll heal their land, and I'll forgive their sins. And, 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 and uh, they began to pray night and day, 24-7. In, in uh, 1999, November 1999, they started. And um, they are now, Indonesia is now in full national revival. I mean, I, I visited a church there, uh, which had uh, 40,000 people in the church. Uh, they're planting a new church every week. They've translated the Bible into the dialect of five unreached people groups. They've got a, a hospital that's serving 200,000 uh, people. Uh, I said to the pastor... He just got his staff team together. That's about a thousand people. He said, "You share a few thoughts," and I said, "Okay." I, I thought I might do it. You know, just a funny story, just to warm people. I said, "No, they don't need humour." Uh, I said, "I might just share a miracle story." He said, "Why?" I, I, he said, they, "They've all got miracle stories. Why, why, why do you need?" I said, "Okay." I said, and "At the end, I might just invite people to respond in prayer." He said, "No, under no circumstances." I said, "Why?" He said, "If you allow them to pray, you will lose control of the meeting for at least three hours." And then, and, then, and then he said to me, uh, do you want to see our 24-7 prayer room? I said, yeah. So we went to this very simple room, not particularly impressive. There were two people in there praying, uh, just sitting on the floor. There's a world map on the wall. As we stepped across the threshold, the presence of God was so strong. Uh, Carla, who's with me, just fell to the ground under the power of God. Uh, the, often when you step in powerfully in the presence of God, the, you lose sense of time. Again and again, people say to me in the prayer room, an hour felt like 10 minutes. It's because eternity, which is in our hearts, begins to break in. 
And I remember coming out of that prayer room that day and just driving down the street with my friend Mike. Uh, and I can't explain, it's like you've been washed clean. And we, could, we were spiritually sharp. Um, and there was this moment we were in a taxi, we were driving down the street, and we both simultaneously went, whoa, what's that? We felt, we felt something dark. And as we looked up, we saw we were passing this Buddhist temple, but we had felt it before we'd seen it, and we'd felt it simultaneously. And I think these are moments you just get a sense of normal Christianity as we press more into the presence of God. I mean, in a way, sorry, that's in another country, and it sounds quite dramatic. Probably the best stories. I love the art from kids in prayer rooms, the ones with kind of Jesus stabbing Satan and all of that. That's always, that's always fun. Um, and I love it when people get saved one day and then just, it, it's normative. I remember a girl called Sam who got saved and came and spent two hours in the prayer room. And I said, well, that's amazing. You've only been a Christian 24 hours. You just spent two hours in prayer. And she said, I just assume that's what Christians do. So I, on your behalf, I lied to her. I, I just said, that's exactly, that's exactly what we all do. So I didn't want to discourage her. So there's lots of stories. Indeed. So you mentioned um, unanswered prayer there yeah um and you've written a book god on mute and i guess that is one of the things that can so easily stop us praying is when we don't actually believe it's effective maybe because we think the prayer has gone answered or we feel a sense of disappointment with god or um that maybe he's not even listening it's like i'm just talking to the wall here what would you say to people who are at that place right now well i think often the uh, bible is much more honest about unanswered prayer than the church uh, the Bible is, uh, is embarrassingly honest about unanswered prayer. Jesus himself had three unanswered prayers, so I think you can just about afford to be honest about yours. One of them still unanswered to this day, by the way. Who knows which one that is? That the church will be united. I mean, it wasn't just any old prayer. It was one of his great high priestly prayers, the Gospel of John. Uh, and as far as I can see, that's not quite happened yet. So Jesus himself to this day is living with unanswered prayer. So, you know, about half to two-thirds of the Psalms are not happy, clappy, they're lament. But most of the songs we sing on Sunday are all happy. So where's the space for pain, for brokenness, for unresolved questions? I find it interesting when you look at Jesus' uh, passion. Uh, you know, he obviously dies on the cross, but we kind of want to, like, leapfrog Holy Saturday and go straight to Easter Sunday, and it's instant answers, it's miracles. We d- but God allowed all of creation to live with an the ultimate unanswered prayer, God dead. Martin Luther said, on the cross, Jesus became the atheist. <laughs> uh, God allowed that unresolved pain f- right over that weekend until Easter breaks in. So yes, we're resurrection people, but sometimes we've got to learn to live with questions, with unanswered prayer. And we, we all the time kind of sterilize just, the pain of life. You know, the word Israel means the struggle. You've been baptized into uh, you know, a struggle. Uh, we take a psalm, like, as the deer pants the water, so my soul longs after you, and we put that pretty tune to it. As the deer pants for the, you know, carries out water, so my soul longs after, you know, all of that, which is rubbish, because actually the, this, this, is, this isn't Bambi skipping. This is a deer that is so thirsty, its tongue is swollen, and if it doesn't get water, it is, the vultures are circling, it's going to die. This should be blues, this should be screaming guitar riff, this is, help! 
but we made it pretty. And, and, and I say that because every one of you knows that scream of, God, if you don't do something, I don't know what I'm going to do. So my own story on it, I, I, I'll, I'm as much more I could say, but is, is you know, about a year into the prayer movement, honestly, the, the miracles were so overwhelming. We, we were like, we found the revival switch. If everyone will just do this, <laughs> Jesus is coming back by breakfast time next week. You know, it was really genuinely incredible. And, uh, you know, someone who's spent my life planning churches, I was like, oh, why didn't anyone tell me? This is what you do. This is how the power breaks in. This is how the presence comes. And then um, our second son was just a few weeks old, seven weeks old. And Sammy, my beautiful wife, woke me at three in the morning and said, I can't move my leg. And I was about to tell her to stop being stupid and, you know, go back to sleep. It just been sleeping funny. And I watched her slip into a seizure. And that was scary. That was unbelievably scary because the face I love more than any other was looking uh, demonized, really. And then I remember calling the ambulance and then eventually we got the news she had a brain tumor. And um, it was very large, the size of an orange. And they didn't know if they'd get it out. And I, everything in me was like, this can't be right. And, you know, our seven-week-old is waiting for his next feed. In a movie, it had woken and started screaming and sad music would have come on. The whole thing was just... And um, then uh, we had a very scary time. We didn't know if they could operate. And then eventually they said they were going to have a go, but she might lose speech and the ability to move. That's quite scary. And then... um, and I was trying to, I'm the leader of a prayer movement. And a few, a few days earlier, I'd believed that my prayers could save the world. And I started to wonder whether I, they could even save my wife. And I watched her slip into seizure after seizure and asked God to make it stop. And it just didn't work. And, you know, I had Christians come and say, oh, well, you know, God's trying to teach you something. I'm like, trying to teach me something he couldn't have taught me through the previous 10 or 20 seizures. And then you have other crazy Christians whose faith is so shallow, they need a formula for everything. They're so frightened that it's like, oh, well, you know, you've got to renounce Freemasonry or something or rub yourself in coconut oil and sing the Hallelujah Chorus. And and then you are so scared and so broken every now and then you find yourself secretly reaching for the coconut oil and switching on a bit of Handel's Messiah just in case, right? And you're thinking, am I going to get disqualified by God just because I didn't go to Bethel or strap my wife on a stretch and go to Lourdes or fast for quite long enough? Like, is God this big algorithm in the sky? Like, like what is... So I was suddenly immersed in this thing. And yet, through the agony, we experienced the presence of God with us. And began to discover this truth that all the time we ask God to airlift us out of our problems. Sometimes he does. We call those miracles, right? But more often he parachutes in and joins us in the middle of it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me in the valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> Walking it. And I don't want to be in the valley of the shadow of death. And what are you doing here, God? But we, we experience his presence. And then, you know, uh, as many of you know, my wife... We're incredibly blessed slash lucky, but my wife survived the seizure, uh, sorry, the the surgery, and has come through it, and she's still alive today, and many people's story is is much more painful, much worse than ours, 
um, and uh, but she still has a chronic illness and still has to take a lot of drugs. To, the the tumor's not growing back, and we're so grateful. But the the, 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 the she still has to take a crazy amounts of, of anti-epileptic drugs each day. So uh, here I am, this mixed up mess of a man. If you want some like glory story, I'm not your guy. Just go invite Benny Hinn next time. But here's here's my reality. As someone who's been loving Jesus with all my heart as long as I can remember, but I fart and I mess up and I get things wrong, is, is I know God does miracles. I've seen too many, but I also know God does unmiracles. Right? I, I know that our world is full of pain and there are some things we are not going to have the answer for this side of, of, of death. And um, the, the, the journey of discipleship is to learn to live with both realities and not deny either one. Some people just pretend it's all happy clappy, everything's fine, <laughs> miracles all the way. They're just not honest with themselves, let alone anyone else. And then other people, they get hurt and they become cynical and they say, oh, God's not there or he is there but he doesn't care or he doesn't do... And actually... I mean, what could be more miraculous than just waking up in this world tomorrow morning? I mean, they can drink a cup of tea. That's a miracle for starters. So somewhere in the midst of the pain of life, Israel, the struggle, and the blessing of life, the goodness of God. I wanted to call that book God on Mute. God is good, but life's a bitch. And, and the Americans, again, banned me from doing it. So, it, so it's not called that. But, um, but I, I, the, the truth is life can be very, very painful, very difficult. But hold on to the goodness of God because he's the only hope you've got. I, say, I know I've taken too long, but I'll say one more thing. Here's, here's, here's one thing i say to you. One time when my wife was rushed into hospital on the blue flashing lights yet again, uh, with a, she has a very dangerous kind of seizure. She loses consciousness and... Doesn't and it does. She goes into a cycle. It's called epilepticus status epilepticus, uh, and um, and it's very dangerous. She has to you know you have to break that cycle. And I'm driving the next morning. I mean, sort the kids out, and I'm th- I'm thinking, what am I going to say to her this time? And once again, she'd heard me praying, God, make it stop, and it hadn't worked, you know. And I've never found believing very easy. I'm, I'm a Thomas. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm just, I question things. She got saved at the age of about 18, and she's got this amazing faith. And um, my wife's coming around for this latest status epilepticus. And I said, babe, maybe there isn't a God. I mean, this is how pastorally encouraging I can be at people's hospital bedsides. <laughs> And she said, you don't get it at all, do you? I said, what do you mean? She said, getting rid of God right now doesn't actually help Pete. (laughs) Getting rid of God means I'm a highly evolved animal on a rock in a meaningless universe spinning out of control in which, according to Darwin's theory, I should die out of the gene pool because clearly I'm kind of flawed and broken and not good for the evolution of humanity. Thanks so much for posing that to me. But if I, even though I don't understand it, if I can just hold on to God's presence and God's love, there is still hope, there is still meaning, there is still purpose, and even if I die, there is eternity with Jesus Christ. So don't for a second believe that Stephen Fry has a good answer. He has the most depressing... How can you even look into that dark 
chasm of the idea that there is no morality in life. That's what Dostoevsky said. Without God, there is no morality. That you are just a fluke. You are meaningless. Your behavior doesn't matter. And that the suffering and the sick should die out of the gene pool. We've got to stand up to that kind of belief and say, we believe that every person matters, that there is a God of goodness and of love, and that, he, uh, that there is always hope. Romans 15, 30, may the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's worth living your life for, even if you sometimes have a few unanswered prayers along the way. Thanks. Okay, so last question, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for us and just lead us in whatever way God wants. So we, we have a vision here, as we've been explaining over the last few weeks, of being a diverse church of thousands that surrounds and saturates High Wycombe with the love of Jesus. And prayer is a massive part of pursuing that vision. We will get nowhere without it. And in Acts 2, it talks about the early church being devoted to prayer. Yeah. And we want to be a church that is devoted to prayer. We want to surround and saturate this town with prayer. What do you think it looks like for a church to be devoted to prayer, to surround and saturate this town with prayer? Well, if you pray right, everything else is just the mopping up you know, of, of, of what happens as, as you seek God. You are called to be a house of prayer for the nations. That, is the, that was the thing that Jesus became so passionate about that he cleansed the temple. The, 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 you know, my father's house shall be a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of robbers. So the lesson I've had to learn is that prayer isn't just this activity, sort of vaguely on the side of the menu. Prayer is the activity. Um, th- there is no such thing as a saturated church that's not a praying church. You also have to understand prayer is not just kind of like the power source that makes the other stuff happen. You don't pray to get people saved. You get people saved to pray. You know, before there was any sin or sickness or suffering in the world, before the fall, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God daily. So the question I've got for you is this. What did, what did they talk to him about? Because mostly we talk to God about sin and sickness and suffering. People need to get healed. People want to get saved. Churches want to plant. Injustice we want to fight. We just talk to him about problems all the time. Can you imagine how depressing it is for God? about the small stuff one day here's where it's relevant one day there will be no more sin or sickness or suffering in the world in High Wycombe <laughs> there, but there will be you and God so what will you talk to him about if all you know how to talk to him about is problems so you see you don't you don't get you don't pray to get people saved you get people saved to pray now what does that look like well first of all uh you have to begin by growing the culture of prayer in this church. Without a heart of prayer, without the presence of God, prayer and worship, it's just we're just caught up in some weird religious marketing exercise. It's very peculiar. Not what any of us signed up for. We want the presence and the power of God. And you do not acquire or achieve that through products, personalities, platforms or programs. And yet that is what in the Western world most people seem to be thinking is going to be the answer to their problems. The only way to get hold of more of the presence of God and the power of God is through prayer. 
through asking and seeking. And you said about that, that called devote yourselves to prayer. The word, the Greek there is proskotereo. And it doesn't just mean devote in the way of, oh, Shirley's very devoted to her embroidery club. It's, it's a very strong word. It's about a passionate commitment. It's about perseverance. It's, it's a very strong attending to. So prayer has to be the heart of the church and that means you've got to keep putting logs on it you you know uh, and uh, you know it's it's about gathered prayer it's about crying out to god together it's about sharing the stories of answered prayer it's about listening to god and allowing his word to disrupt everything and then as the culture of prayer continues to grow and develop at this brilliant church here in this fantastic location and and in hazelmere um what you'll find is that the, the atmosphere of prayer will overflow in your lives, into your families, your streets, your workplaces, your schools, and so on. And uh, men, I'd really particularly encourage you. Uh, you know, many men I see uh, being brilliant dads, like really working hard at fathering their kids, trying their best, not perfect, but often I see dads who'll do anything for their kids, but they do very little praying for their kids. You must understand that God has delegated responsibility to you. He is the ultimate father of your kids. You must pray for your kids. And in, on the prayer course and in the book, I give some tips into how to do that in a way that is profoundly transformational. Um, so prayer in our homes, culture of prayer in our homes, around the meal table and so on. Um, and, and then, and then uh, prayer, prayer in our, our workplaces. Um, do you know all the surveys say that most people in the UK pray? Uh, way more than go to church, which means that prayer is a phenomenal way of uh, coming heart to heart with people. Almost. In fact, we found in the last 20 years, 20% prayer. Like if you say to people, can I pray for you? Almost no one says no. Uh, those people might say no if, they, if you invite them to church. And, and what you do is you say, can I pray for you about that thing? They almost always say that would be great. And then you have to change the language. You say, could I pray with you? Because like, in these kind of churches, we assume they just they, they assume you're going to go away and do it. And then sometimes they'll say no. Could, and then sometimes they'll say yes. And then you pray with them. And it only takes one miracle. Uh, so, but, the, but all the research shows that your, your colleagues, the people who live next door to you in your streets, are probably praying and probably believe in, in miracles. And just to, to, to finish on this, um, you know, uh, we've got to t- share the good news stories here because the media is not going to do it for us increasingly. And, and let me tell you this, you may have seen this, but there was a YouGov poll that was published in December. Uh, uh, and uh, it's extraordinary. It's discovered that atheism in this country has been growing, has been declining, sorry, at a rate of 2 to 3% for the last three years. Do you know that? Atheism is in major, major decline. Meanwhile, church attendance in this nation is growing. The number of people who claim to be praying is growing in this nation. This is the opposite of the messaging that you are getting through the media that has a very particular agenda right now. Atheism, declining. Church tenants, growing. Number of people uh, uh, who are praying, growing. We've got church planting now in this nation. Every tradition, Elam, planting like crazy. Uh, Vineyard Church is planting amazing. HTB Network, I was one of the leaders there for a number of years, 
planting churches all over, all growing. Everywhere I look, New Frontiers, everywhere I look, uh, church is being planted. And if the leader is half sensible, not rude, and doesn't have bad smelling breath, the church is growing. This, this is stuff that people have been praying for and longing for 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 years and years, and we are seeing it happening. Church tenants grow. And then, where does every revival begin with a movement of prayer? There is no revival throughout world history that did not begin with a movement of prayer. And what we're seeing right now is the biggest outpouring of prayer in the world that has happened in our generation. That is no exaggeration. I can prove it to you. We're just one tiny part of it. We started one prayer room. We're now in half the nations on earth. We've been praying nonstop 20 years. When we started 20 years ago, you had to go to South Korea to see night and day prayer. And everyone talked about Prayer Mountain and Yongi Cho. Now it has become normative. Churches, ordinary churches throughout the nation say, yeah, yeah, we're doing doing 24-7. That means they're praying night and day. That is a measure shift. Uh, with my friend Tim Hughes, we started a little prayer initiative. The Archbishop of Canterbury picked it up, said, why don't we try and get people together to pray in cathedrals uh, at Pentecost Sunday? He said, let's start with five cathedrals. I said, let's just do one. Five's a bit ambitious, Archbishop. <laughs> he said, no, let's go for five. That first year, which was four years ago, we filled five cathedrals, not to hear a band or a speaker, with people coming together to pray. At Winchester Cathedral, so many people came to pray. We had to have screens outside because there's so many people gathering to pray. One day they'll talk about this in history books and it's happening right now on our watch. The next year it grew. Uh, This last year we packed out uh, Trafalgar Square. Many of you have been there and well over a million people were crying out to God together as one in this nation on Pentecost Sunday saying, your kingdom come, come Holy Spirit. Is it everything we're praying for? No. Is it a beginning? You had better believe it. We are seeing things people longed and ached and wept to see is happening right now on our watch. Atheism declining, churches growing, churches being planted, a massive outpouring of prayer sweeping up millions of people in the nations and the FT, the Financial Times, put an article out in April that said more and more what's happening is the vacuum created by austerity is being filled by the churches. I was in Wales with the New Wine Network a few months ago and pastor after pastor after pastor told me stories of we're seeing people saved easier. People are getting, entire families are getting saved in the streets, north of Wales as well as south of Wales. I said, has this always been happening? They said, no. I said, why has it started to happen now? And they said, it is two things. The first is that we have had poverty in Wales for a long time. And the church is known to be the people who come and uh, run the food banks and help you put your marriage back together. They know that church is that. And the second thing is people have stopped going to church in Wales. And so what that means is when you talk to someone outside TK Maxx, they don't have baggage against religion because they actually don't go to church, but they actually think the church is brilliant. And when you tell them the gospel, they said, we are seeing more and more people come to Christ. That's just Wales. I could tell you stories throughout the nation. There are parts of Northern Ireland that are in full revival right now. People, you find faith by finding what God is doing and pouring petrol on it and saying more, Lord. He is doing a lot in that time. Look at this church. It's brilliant. And I tell you what, under your new leadership with John amazing legacy you've got amazing history but under the new leadership this is a new season for this church 
And whenever there's a new season, there's a new song. And God is releasing a new song in this church. Some of you, there has been a disappointment uh, upon you. And I, I believe the Lord is saying to you, that he is going to replace some of those areas of disappointment with new hope and new joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Expect new songs to be written. Expect new hope in your heart. Some of you have been writing off your marriages. Do not write off your marriage because there is a God who loves you and nothing is too difficult for him. Some of you keep praying those Jericho prayers because do not stop one prayer too soon. Jesus said you're going to have to keep praying sometimes. Sometimes for years but you will see the breakthroughs. There's a new song in the nation. There's a new song in this church and it's time for us to seek God as never before. Not for our meetings, but for the sake of people out there who are desperate and hopeless and think that Stephen Fry has the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. Amen. We need to be quick, don't we? Okay, well, I'm going to ask the band to come up, and um, uh, Pete, it would be great if you could pray for us as a church, pray f- love for a town, that. and just lead into ministry, however you feel. I'd love to. That works. Just because just this might be about to get messy, um, let, let me just make sure I've done the things so I'll get told off otherwise. If, I don't. Uh, um, if you're thinking, yeah, I, this, I, I need to get on board with this. I need my own life, my own family to be saturated in prayer. Um, then, as I say, um, we, we've only got a certain number of books because it keeps selling out, but get, get a book at the end, uh, download the app, it's called Inner Room, and, and do the prayer course. Uh, it's free, even if you're not part of one of those groups. And uh, tear off the slip and fill it in, and we'll stay in touch. We'll just do anything we can to encourage and help. You would love to do that. Uh, but I'd love to pray for one or two of you. Um, Jake, come on, come on out, mate. Um, just as Jake's coming out, the first thing, I, I just... Um, be great if um, on the keyboard. Can you just play some new age style music? <laughs> sort of running naked through the forest types. So we we just need to manipulate people's emotions a little bit, if that's okay. So good. Are you feeling that? The sort of thing you have in a Lynx commercial in 1987 would be great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> If only it was that easy. Okay. Um, Let's just stand up together, shall we? If we're able to do so, let's stand up. The most important thing I I feel like I can do tonight isn't talk at you. Forgive me, I've talked a lot. I'd love just to try and impart something. My life got hijacked by the invitation to the presence of God. I still plant churches, still fight injustice, I still try and preach the gospel, but I've learned it all has to begin and end in the presence of God. All has to be in the place of prayer. And and, um, my hunch is that, that because this is what's happening in the nation right now and certainly in brilliant churches like this, there'll be people here who have a particular call from God to intercede and to pray. Some of you have probably been interceding and praying for a long time. I just want to honor you and thank you 
Much of what we're starting to see in this nation is an answer to your prayers. Those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Uh, But others of you, uh, I suspect this is a new thing, it's a new stirring, but God's begun to break your heart. God's been speaking to you, calling you to prayer. Uh, And this is very much met the marker in women. And um, tonight's the night just to put the marker in and say, this, this is this this is me. I'm 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 signing up for this. Okay, I'm not about to give you 300 impossible things to do, but just really begin the journey. So there's some of you that have been praying and interceding, like Anna and Simeon, for many years. It's time to hold the baby, you know. The consolation of Israel. Some of you, there's a sense God is calling you to get on your surfboard and surf this wave. There's a call to prayer. And there's a third category. I, I really sense God. Some people here, you, you used to really intercede. But you got hurt. You got disappointed. Your heart got broken. Hope got deferred. And you laid it down. You stopped you stop praying. And the Lord is just saying, it's time to draw a line on that and just pick up the mantle again. It's a wounded soldier. And uh, I'm not going to get into whatever it is, but I just feel like that's a line that needs to be drawn tonight. So the first thing I love is just to invite, we're not going to go on for, for, for ages, don't worry. I know many of you have to shoot off. Um, but, but those of you saying, yeah, I sense this call to prayer. Uh, and it may be a new thing for you. And it may be that you used to carry this, but you've laid it down because of areas of disappointment. But um, I'd love you just to get down the front now, just as a way of saying, uh, I, I want to remember this moment. I want to put a marker in. And I'm going to just pray for those who come to the front. Because if, if we have enough lightning rods in this church... It's going to spread, not just through this church, but through this community. So uh, those of you who know that's you, um, just come on down the front now. There may also be one or two men who were a little challenged by the thing I said about just realizing you're, you're called to be a priest, a pastor, an elder, an apostle to your family. It means you've got to lead in prayer. By the way, of course, that's us for women as well as men, but I just notice women are often much better at it than men. 